probably won't go over each one of them. There are a few that I think are important verses. Many of these verses we probably already know, heard of. But the title of my study is uh, What Does the Bible Say About Predestination and Free Will? And there, we can sit there in the secular world today. You can argue both of those points until you're blue in the face. But if we look at, at a biblical perspective, it, comes, it becomes a lot more clear. And I think most of us know that when it comes to predestination and free will. And I'm just going to read the first paragraph here. In discussing predestination and free will, many people so strongly prefer one side that they virtually reject the possibility of the others having even a hint of truth. Those who strongly emphasize the sovereignty of God in predestining who will be saved sometimes takes a position that resembles hard determination or fatalism. Those who emphasize the free will of humanity comes close to denying the sovereignty of God. Mm. However, if the terms are understood biblically, the discussion should not be predestination versus free will, but rather predestination and not entirely free will. On, on the argument, or the mental argument, the side of predestination, God, I think we all know this, God created man. Does anybody disagree with that? So is that not predestination? He created us in his image. So therefore, he gave us certain abilities. And in the Bible, it talks about he created mankind for salvation. We all been predetermined to be saved or accept salvation. Now the thing is, do we do it? Do we follow God's plan and accept salvation because we're predestined based on biblical verses? Or do we have a choice to make? Or would some people say free will? We have the ability to say yes or no to salvation. So just read some of these verses. I'd like somebody to read Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 29 and 30. Who'd like to read that for me? Go ahead, sir. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to be like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. That pretty well sums up that this is this is God's plan for us. Then it's reflected again in Ephesians chapter one, verses five through eleven, explicitly teach that God predestined some to salvation. God predestined who will be saved is based on his sovereignty, unchanging character, as in Malachi uh, chapter 3, verse 6. Foreknowledge, as in Romans. Love, as explicit in Ephesians chapter 1, verses one, uh, 4 through 5. And plan and pleasure, as in Ephesians. God desires that all who be saved come to repentance, as in Peter and in Timothy. He offers salvation to everyone, Titus 2 and 11. Yet, we know that not everyone will be saved. How this all works together can be debated. But predestination itself is absolutely a biblical teaching. Numerous other New Testament passages also refer to believers being chosen or elected to salvation. And there's a whole group of these passages right there. Just take time to read those later. Yet the Bible also teaches that people are accountable for what they choose, as mentioned in Joshua and in Luke. How does that work with free will? The question we must ask is, what does it mean to have free will? One difficulty in discussing predestination versus free will is the common understanding of free will being the absolute freedom to do anything we choose. 
This is not how the Bible presents free will, nor does it match reality. Our freedom is always limited by our circumstances and our nature. We are limited to our freedom to fly because we are not by nature birds. So we don't have the free will to fly because we say, well, we want to fly. And we are subject to physical laws such as gravity and aerodynamics. The Bible teaches that without Christ we are dead to our trespasses and sins, as mentioned in Ephesians. If we are spiritually dead, surely the impacts our decision-making, as in John 6, uh, 44, says that. Unless God draws, no one can come to Christ for salvation. So God draws us to salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, who only offers salvation. God in himself cannot give salvation. It has to come through his son, Jesus Christ. But he draws us because of his son, Jesus Christ. If the scissor were to trust in Christ, it's impossible without God's interference. Our will is everyone so that uh, the plan is that everyone so that everyone is without excuse. We have no excuse for not accepting salvation. It is our plan. Would someone like to read uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20? Since the world was created, God has uh, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Hmm. That pretty much covers that. Doesn't it? So if anyone says they have an excuse, uh-uh. no, they have no excuse. We have free will in the sense that we are capable of making moral choices. Our decision-making is impacted by numerous factors, <coughs> our sin nature, our bringing, our intellect, our training, education, biology, physiology, etc. So human beings do not truly have free will, as properly defined. We have a will, we can make decisions. Biblically speaking, we have the responsibility to respond to what God has revealed to us, including his call to believe the gospel, as mentioned in John and other verses. But again, our will is not truly free because we have constraints that shapes our decisions. Predestination explicitly looks for doctrine. God is indeed sovereign over everything, including who is saved. Concurrently, we are generally responsible for our decisions related to salvation. There are not mutual exclusive to irrecoverable truths. In the Bible, God repeatedly calls us to exercise our will and trust in Christ for salvation. And we should pursue obedience to those commands regardless of how well we do or don't understand predestination. Any thoughts? Any open for discussion? Uh, one of the scriptures I think about is God is not willing that any should perish. Right. Robert? The, the Reformed the theologians, and some of them, you know their names, the denominations, if I name them, they believe that predestined. And the elect were chosen by God before the universe to be certain people. That there's some people who are saved, no matter what they do, and they're going to heaven. Others are going to hell, no matter what they do. And so if you're uh, predestined to be among those, there's nothing you can do. So morally, I mean, you can't change that. And if you're 
if you're going to go to hell, there's nothing you can do about that either. And these are some denominations that are very popular today. Right. However, there's not one verse in the Bible that says people are specifically damned to go to hell without any choice at all. Right. There's not one scripture. And as Dennis just said, God's not willing that any should perish. And so this whole thing of Jesus saving us on the cross, it flies in the face of those other things. And if we're creatures of choice, and God recognizes it. And in Galatians 6, 5, it says, all men are responsible for their decisions. And so uh, I don't think we should fear that some of us are going to hell no matter what we do. And some are going to go to heaven no matter what they do. Because that's, that's really stretching the Bible to try and find something to hold on to. Even though Paul uses predestined and he uses the elect, but he's using it in terms of time before there was time. God predestined and elected people before time began through Christ to be saved. And those that take that point of view, and again, we have to, we're all humans. We can think, we're allowed to think, we can believe whatever. But also, if people take that hard line of predestination about being the elect, like you said before, time before we were here, God said he made everyone in his image. So if some people are pre-selected or elected for salvation, why do we need Christ on the cross for salvation? Yeah, that's to me. That's the bottom line. Christ is on the cross, so that blows all those other theories right out of the water. There's some hardliners out there that really, you know, get in your face about that. I just respond one way: then there would be no need for Christ on the cross. Why would he send Christ? Exactly. If yeah, go ahead. The coin's already minted. Yeah, I look at it just a little bit different not, not that much but okay he knew who was going to accept Christ and who wasn't and in that sense you're predestined because he, he knew just like there's some people you know if they go by a bar they're going to go in and get drunk and there's other people that won't and you can know that you're not forcing them to do it but you just know what they're going to do you know God being sovereign as That's he right. is yes then yes, he, that theory or that fact is true. He knows who's going to be saved and who isn't. But but again, we're given that choice. No, no, I, I agree with that. But what I'm all I'm saying is that the difference I see is the reason that we needed Christ was because he knew who was going to accept that and who wasn't. And that's where that would come in as far as I'm concerned. I have a question that isn't related to this, and I don't know if anybody has an answer for that. How were the people, how was it determined who went to heaven or to the bosom of Abraham prior to Christ dying? Because those people didn't necessarily understand, even the Jewish teachers didn't understand that Jesus needed to die. So what what actually determined whether you were keeping the Ten Commandments at the time when you died, or you know, I mean, was <clears throat> read the book of Revelation, it tells you very clear that those who are dead in Christ will rise first, those who have the chance of salvation through Christ will be raised. <clears throat> no, that's in salvation. That's not my question. My question is, was Adam saved or did he go to hell? I think the answer to that is the fact that when Christ had was down off the cross, he went into down and he gave the people the opportunity to Okay, you think he, he preached to those in hell and some of those were saved? Yeah. Okay, because oh, yeah. that, that's what I do. I don't understand, you know, I didn't understand, and that was my question always is uh, then how did they either go to to the bosom of Abraham or hell. <coughs> Robert, you have a... Well, okay, sir. Um, I, I think Abraham's a good example. He didn't have the Ten Commandments. He, you know, he, 
uh, even that many of the Bible. And uh, we're told that he believed God, and that was counted for righteousness. So when God said, hey, you, I'm going to make a mighty nation of you, look at the stars, you know, you're a hundred something years old, you're going to have a son, uh, and Sarah ran. And so, um, he believed God, and God counted that toward his righteousness, and that's how he was saved. And so I, I think the people in the Old Testament were saved by their belief in Christ. And as Romans says, when you read in the first chapter there, Man is without excuse. I mean, we, we go walking in the mornings, and we're, the sun's just coming up. You see that glorious morning and sky and the sun rays coming over the hills here. There's no doubt. You know, you, you, you look at nature, and there's no doubt in your mind that there's a creator. And even people in the chapter 2 of Romans, they knew that there was a creator, but they rejected it. And so... As Paul said, they're without excuse. So people before Abraham, before the Ten Commandments and Moses and so forth, they had an opportunity because God, the Creator, made it evident everyone um, that there's something going on there. Right. And the thing, too, when it comes to salvation, I'll get you to that salvation is a personal experience between us and our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't, I'm going to phrase this carefully. We're not to worry about that other person's salvation. Now, we can lead people to Christ for salvation, but that's their choice one-on-one. And if they don't accept Christ because of our witness, what does Jesus say? Shake off the dust and walk away. It's not up to us. It's between them and God. So those in the past, they made their choice. And unfortunately, in the last day, there's going to be two books open. We all know that. The Book of Life, and then those will be judged. And to me, that is so black and white, crystal clear. If you're not in this book, you're in trouble. It's just that simple. Larry, you want your hand up. I believe I have an answer to your question regarding what did the... um, people before Christ considered uh, as proper behavior for entrance into heaven. And often scriptures and the sermons we receive talk about following the law. This is what Jesus was crucified for. He didn't follow the law. That is the Jewish law I'm speaking of. Uh, They felt that in my opinion, they felt that if they followed the law and all the precepts thereof, that was good. Good enough for them to get to the next life or heaven, in my opinion. And, and listening to some of the folks talk about the prior people, prior to Jesus. <coughs> the scripture says in the New Testament you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Those people didn't even know Jesus Christ. None of them before him then could believe him. Isn't that so? Yes. No, I think so. Thank you, Larry. So none of those guys are in heaven. None of those guys are going to be with the Lord, in my opinion. I'm talking about Abraham. I'm talking about Jonah. Well, maybe Jonah. Jonah was before Christ. Anybody in the Old Testament is not going to make it, according to the New Testament. Well, I'm sorry, but um, yeah. you remember when the when the, the rich man died and he looked up into heaven and he saw the poor man that had been sitting at his gate for so many years. He was in heaven. Abraham was there. Other uh, notables were there, and he even said to him, Father Abraham, send someone or come and just touch some water on my tongue. It's it's hot down here. And uh, you're not talking about Tucson. It's hot down here. And they say, we can't, can't. There's a big gulf between us. 
So Jesus mentioned that in his teaching. Don't you, because the Sadducees didn't believe that there was a resurrection. And he said, don't you remember? He told the same thing. And uh, so there are people in heaven uh, that live before AD and BC switched over the mountain. So um, Moses didn't make it to the promised land. The promised land is not heaven. You know, yeah, that's the same thing. Someone brought someone brought this up earlier that when when Christ, you know, died and went to hell, he he preached to everyone in hell at that point. Right? Am I, yeah. Preach is that basic? It's a basic concept. He preached to everyone in hell, and they they were given the choice at that point to still accept accept him as their savior. That's a real controversial point that Christ, quote, quote, went to hell. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, that, yeah. <clears throat> Understanding I have, that's talking about a different thing. Uh, but yeah, not hell. Not hell, yeah. no. Yeah, Turned not hell. regions, but not into hell. Yeah, um, yep. Yeah. One thing I misspoke. We have a loving God. He's not willing that any should perish, right? Yeah. He, he, he put this whole thing in motion before the world began. He set all this up. There was no surprises that Jesus went to the cross with God the Father. He knew all this. And he had all this planned out before he, he made man. And he's, he's not unfair. He's not, you know, he's not cruel. He didn't make people before ADBC switched over that they would all go to hell. He... No, he didn't do that. And he's told us that he didn't. If people believe in him, they'll, he'll count that as righteousness. And righteousness is what we get when we accept Christ as our Savior. Our sins are forgiven and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. In, in, even in the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve sinned, God gave them another choice to accept him back. Yeah. And what did they do? They turned their backs on him. It was but their he choice. gave them <laughs> the choice to accept his salvation, if you will, for the forgiveness of their sin. And since they saw because of their sin, they turned their back on God. So it's twice in the Garden of Eden that they said we're given a chance to come back to him, restore Eden, but they said no. And as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> you know, and mankind has been down that road. And I, I believe, like, like Robert does, all this stuff God did before the creation, this is all part of, the, if you will, the big plan. He knew Adam and Eve was going to say. He knew they weren't going to come back to him. He already knew that there was going to be a price paid for our sins for the bloodshed of Jesus Christ. He already knew that. So if it comes down to predestination, absolutely, I believe in that. That's the sovereignty of God. But again, when it comes to free will, each one of us has that choice to make. We can accept it or reject it. There are a lot of things in the Bible that we do not understand as man because God didn't give us that knowledge. And thank God that he did not give us that knowledge. I mean, we got enough problems with the little knowledge we have now. Can you imagine a little bit more knowledge given to us? Oh man, I wish Ben had a little bit more. <laughs> 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 he should have got that right. That's called memory. I got a question here. No. We're talking about predestination. What about fatalistic predestination? That they uh, you mentioned it. What is it? The, there's a group that Calvinists. Yep, yes. mm -hmm. We had a, a Calvinist in this church for a long time. He hmm. was very faithful to come to men's prayer meeting. Hmm. Not one time did he ever pray for a lost soul. He never prayed huh. for his brother uh, or sister and I'm uh, not in Christ because he didn't really believe that and I think you worked with him some uh, Greg 
uh, yeah, in, in a Bible study. And he left here uh, on not a good faith because he wanted Jay George to oh, yes. not present us, let a song be sung in our church service. And Jay said, no way. Hmm. And he said, well, here's a check for $2,000 that I was going to give, and he tore it up. Okay. And uh, <laughs> he was a fatalistic, predestination, wow. Calvinist. And that is saying that God says, wow. this half of you people are going to hell. No matter what you do, you're predestined to go to hell. And you men over here, maybe except Dale, <laughs> I couldn't resist that. <laughs> that is fatalistic predestination, and i that's wrong. Yeah. God gave us the power, the thinking, to either accept His Son, Jesus Christ, or reject Him. And I don't care what we do, there are some people that's not going to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. But we still pray for them because we don't yeah. know who they are. Yeah. Ben, got a question. Oh. What song did he not want to be sung in the church? Craig, do you remember? I don't know. I don't know the name, but I know it was one that was from a, you know, like written by a church like uh, Bethel or something like that. And there are some of the songs like that that we don't sing. Yeah. But the point was that he was trying to force it. Yeah. Yeah. You said God gave them a second chance for paradise. He gave them a chance to be forgiven for their sin, to accept salvation. It's in, where? It's in the Bible. It's in there. Where? I, I, I just don't understand. I mean, as far as I know, I'm not trying to... Whatever. He said, in the day ye ye shall surely die. And as far as I know, that never was retracted or never given away around that. That was, okay, this is... To do this, this is the cost. Period. Well, God gives people thousands of opportunities. No, I'm not talking about opportunity. I'm talking about, he said, if you do this, you will do this. And I don't know of any verse where, he, where they could have been restored to paradise or... They weren't because they turned their no, back no, what, When did they turn their back on them the second time? That That's my question. You said they were given two chances and they turned them both down. And I... I I don't understand where the second where the second chance was. Robert. Oh, there's two kinds of death. One is the physical death yes. that we're going to have, and, and the spiritual. spiritual death yes. or if you go into hell or if you go into heaven. Those are two, the life and death. And the decision is always with us. As long as we are alive, as in Adam and Eve, they're alive, they could choose God at any time and to fall on their knees and repent. And I, I don't know where they ultimately ended up. I don't think the Bible specifies that. Uh, we know that sin continued, you know, Cain killed Abel, here we go. And then we saw the horrible sin that took place after that, and then the, the Tower of Babel and the flood. And, you know, mankind had to be destroyed because it was ultimately evil. There was only a few people being saved. So man has a propensity for sin and evil. Look at today. Look at the United States from 50 years ago, 60 yeah. years ago. Ten years it ago. has pulled yeah. apart. Like it's coming years. apart at the seams. And Christians don't appear to be concerned about it. They don't seem to be bent on shape about it. They don't seem to be overly concerned about it. But that's, you know, that's our evil part. Human beings, just because we're saved, doesn't mean that we're good people or that we're morally superior, we have a lot of work to do, and but we're supposed to be about that work. We're supposed to be about God's work and building a society. And shame on us if we let what he blessed us with 200-something years ago, let it crumble to pieces. And that's exactly where we're heading as part of the sin. I don't know if you know the latest thing from Target. I finally decided I'm, I'm not going to shop there anymore. I stopped once, and then I... 
sin going back. But this is sin. Uh, the very closely before I go in. But uh, now they're having swimsuits that can be worn by men and women, or they're special ones for men that look like women. And I ran off also Fox News, and I ran it off, and I'm going to take it to the manager at Target, and I said, I'm done here. This is what you guys, you know, and I'm going to tell the pharmacy there that they're not part of it. I'm going to tell them, I'm going to be looking for another pharmacy. I hate that because I really like you guys. You do a great job. And, you know, but we have to say no to sin. Yeah. We just, you know, enough's enough. That Let was on uh, Fox News, those guys parading around. They were very thin, black guys, most of them, in these women's huh. swimsuits. Yeah. Now, wouldn't I look pretty up there if Mama was on Let's change the subject. You look yeah. pretty in here. Oh, man. Let me my statement to you. What else is going on with this uh, stuff and the woke stuff and, and going to kids and these queens doing their dances? And I, I almost laughed at one of them. This gal was doing the splits and all this stuff, had very little on. And these kids were doing their thing here. They weren't no more paying attention to them. But why do they allow that stuff to go on with little kids? The United Methodist Church is having their first, well, I don't forget what they call it, but uh, and they are having drag queens yeah, come drag queen. into their church, uh, doing a service or some kind of event they're, they're having there, and children are involved. United Methodist Church. Now, if you told me, I mean, well, that, that ain't of God. That no, is of Satan. Period. Right. You got that right. Buddy. He is using the leaders of that church to further his cause. Yeah, let, you got to understand that's what it's about. Let me clarify something for you, okay? And I, I probably didn't say it in the right way. God offered. He told Adam. What did he tell Adam? Because there's sin. He's going to take their life away as far as the number of ages, right? That they're not going to live forever. The second choice he gave it is for their spiritual salvation, not their physical self, for their physical bodies. Yeah. So they were given the opportunity to accept salvation, and they rejected salvation. So that goes right about free will. God, yes, we're going to die to sin because we are sinners in the body. But yet we're given the chance to live, die to oneself in the spirit to live in his kingdom. That's what he offered Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Salvation, their spiritual salvation. How, how are you saying they rejected it? Yeah, that, they rejected it. How? how? They let, got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Well, that was punishment for the sin. Right, yeah. but they did turn down the acceptance of their spiritual you know, did they ever accept it? The, the that I, I cannot answer. I don't see it. That's the thing. I'm late when you want uh, <laughs> The way I understand... I'm sorry. Who's talking? Go ahead. Um, the way I understand God's provision for Adam and Eve is, the Bible says, except for the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. God killed animals and made them clothes of animal skin, and that was a symbol of his sacrifice for them for their sin, and later on you see the clean and unclean animals at Abel and Cain making their sacrifices. Only Cain's blood sacrifice was accepted, but I mean Abel's sacrifice of blood was accepted. Cain's was rejected. So that idea of following God's um, requirement of sacrifice for sin, all the way up through Abraham did it. They sacrificed, they made altars, and then Moses was given the law where you made blood sacrifices that looked forward to Christ being the Lamb that would take away the sin of the world. So people were saved through their faith in obedience to God, in faith, and uh, Hebrews chapter 11 clearly talks about how the sacrifice for sin was fulfilled in Christ. There is a rest given to people as they have faith in Christ that is forgiveness and eternal life. So... Faith brings forgiveness of sin and acceptance to God, becoming uh, saved, being forgiven of your sins, all the way back from Adam and Eve, all the way until Christ fulfilled it and offered 
salvation through his blood to the whole world, even the Gentiles, that were, that's why they were sent out into the world to preach. That's the way I understand. Somebody said that before, back in the old days when Ken was a boy, that uh, before Christ, that they might be in hell. What about Moses? Moses did some honorary stuff. You know, he killed him, uh, some people, and then he fled. Uh, God kind of liked Moses, I think. Now, what he did uh, by striking the rock, and he didn't give God the credit for that. He took the credit. And because of that one thing, he didn't get to go into the promised land. But God took Moses after that and de died. Moses died and he buried him. I don't think personally that God would have had that much to do with his buddy Moses after he died and buried him. And nobody knows to this day and will ever know where Moses is buried or they'd go dig him up. But if God thought that much of that man Moses, I'll guarantee you, my opinion, he's in heaven. Well, you remember, Moses and Elijah appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration. Yeah. Right. Obviously, they were with God. Right. So, you know, thinking that, um, no offense to your, you know, words before, but um, thinking that, you know, no one was ever saved until Christ is very unbiblical because you see in Hebrews 11, all the people of faith who are promised the home in heaven, though they didn't reach it yet here on earth, is saying all of these people that believed in God, trusted in God, before Christ, were saved through faith. Right. Ryan, you had a question. Um, you forgot? Yeah, the Bible says that um, David also did some honorary things. It was a man after God's own heart. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I think we can... We can... Uh, we can sidetrack by debating trivial yeah. things yeah. and uh, just just like the Jews you know about the law you gotta be this gotta be that and he's like we're called to be faithful and love one another um, as much as it concerns us to love other people um, to understand the whole idea of free will and predestination I, the way I look at it is a lot like trying to understand God and the Trinity. <laughs> I I can yeah. grasp it, but I can't fully understand it. Yeah. I just have to take it by what, faith. What it says on faith. By faith. Yeah. And it's at the end scripture of the scripture I believe in says I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's a true statement. Yeah. That's true. That's the Bible. Well, the Bible did not exist during Moses' time, during Adam's time, during Abraham's time, during Noah's time, during Jonah's time. You can name every patriarch in the Old Testament. None of them uh, had that opportunity to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't see a problem with them appearing with God, as you mentioned on Mount Sinai or wherever. That doesn't mean they're in heaven. That doesn't say what? that they're in heaven. The heaven that I perceive that I am going to, the ones the song sings about the golden streets by the crystal sea and etc. and so on. Well, Larry, you're saying then, what I'm gathering it from my information, you're thinking that everybody that died before Jesus Christ, death, is in hell. No, I didn't say they're in hell. They're Where just not they? in heaven. Why? I did not say they're in hell. Where are they? They're just not in heaven. Hades. Would that be? They don't have eternal life. They don't, they don't, their life is not eternal. So they can't be in heaven or hell. To me, I don't say that's a purgatory. That. I'm not saying in heaven or hell. But <clears throat> there's only two places, that's true. But... Um, those people, um, they they didn't get the chance to believe. You think they just ceased to exist? Pardon? You think they just ceased to exist? Yes. 
Dennis, how they get them out. Go ahead, to me, this is uh, this is very helpful for me. This is in Romans one, um, and I'm going to read a portion of scripture here, starting with sixteen and. Uh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is God's power working unto salvation to everyone who believes with a personal trust and confident surrender and firm reliance to the Jew first, also to the Greek. For in the gospel of righteousness, which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, as it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live by faith. For it is God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. For that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain in their inner consciousness because God himself has shown it to them. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature and attributes, that is, his eternal power and divinity, have been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made. Uh, so men are without excuse, uh, because... When they knew and recognized him as God, they did not honor and glorify him as God or give him thanks, but instead they became futile uh, uh, and godless in their thinking. Uh, and then it goes on about the sexual impurities, the sexual unnaturalness, etc. Then I'm going to jump down to 28. Uh, and so they did not see fit to acknowledge God or approve of him or consider him worth the knowing. Uh, God gave them over to a base and condemned. Okay, so basically my point there is that there's been this uh, conflict, if you would. Uh, what, do, what do we do about people prior to Christ? So God's making it, this is Paul's words, inspired by God, that are basically showing this distinction, acknowledging God or not acknowledging God. So to me, that's the whole key, is acknowledging God, whether it's prior to Christ or, or now. And another thing we need to be very, very careful of, and I, mm. I like the fact that we have this venue today, we can talk about things. Yeah. But out there, we're witnessing to the unbeliever. We cannot debate this oh, in yeah. front of a non-believer. Yeah. Our duty, our command, is to spread the word of God to the unbelieving world. That salvation is only through Jesus Christ. Period. And that's the choice that that person has to make. Again, get it back to predestination or free will. They have the choice to accept or not. Whatever happened in the past is done. It's over. It's been fulfilled in Jesus Christ on the cross. Regardless if it was a written word back then or not a written word, it was all fulfilled in the death of Christ on the cross. He came off that cross. He shed his blood for our sins and for all mankind that we're given that opportunity to have salvation and that's how we have to approach every non-believer if we sit there and debate biblical issues in front of someone you think that's going to be beneficial for that person to come to Christ no our duty again is to give the word out to these, the unbelieving world to accept Christ to me and this is me okay that's what I believe in. That's me 100%. That is our duty. That is our... Okay. Yes, sir. I have a question about the Jews. They don't believe Jesus has come yet. <coughs> so, they die now. What happens to them? They go to hell. No. It's... It, you got to study the book of Revelation. 
I'm not disagreeing yeah. that you haven't read something in there that I didn't, but... Uh, that's just something each one of us has to do ourselves. <clears throat> There's a lot of... If the Bible contained everything that God did, or Christ did, we could never contain the volumes. Oh, good point. Okay? Yeah. I'm just thankful we have what we have. I mean, again, our little minds can't comprehend the sovereignty, the total sovereignty of God. We do it, like Ryan says, by faith. We have to accept it on faith. That's the way it happened. Period. Yeah. Paul talked several times about the mystery of God, and some of the things he was talking about was the mystery before Christ, and then he hmm. talked about the mystery of Christ being revealed, and one of the mysteries he talked about, which was amazing to me, and it, it helped me a lot, was in Christ, everything, there's no distinguish distinguishing between people. There's no blacks, there's no whites, there's no mm -hmm. Jews, Gentiles, Greeks, Greeks, Romans, anything. We are one unequal plain people. We're united in Christ. The whole, all humanity used to be you either were a Greek or barbarian, either Roman or barbarian. <laughs> Jews, by everybody was a barbarian. Right? <laughs> and so, but Christ, you know, his death on the cross and his resurrection, he did away with all that, and we all are united together. And now all of us can be saved. All of us can accept Christ. There's no, God didn't select anybody beforehand so you can't be saved. I mean, that, there's not one verse in the Bible that says that. And the ones that do use election and predestined, he's talking about the church and how that applies to the church and being called out among the church, and the church is being called out among the nations. Uh, so we we need to understand what the Bible says. And as we've seen in here, there is some understanding, but there needs to be more understanding. And, and that's a good thing. I mean, the Bible tells us to be wise, you know, to be thoughtful and know what we believe and ferret it out, because there are people as... Uh, ben said, we're dying going to hell. And, and we have to be able to speak their language as Paul did. I'll become all things for all men that I can, I can reach them. And we need to be able to speak their language. So when the Mormon talks about that, that there is a God, and, uh, but, but he's talking about a created God, not one that's a holy God that had created everything else. He was created with all the other gods. So we need to be able to speak their language to say, no, that's not right. <laughs> and so we can't get too much insight at the same time as a loving nature, as you said, to help people who are seeking salvation. If they're not seeking salvation, that means the Holy Spirit's not working on them. That's the only chance they have is the Holy Spirit working on them. But they'll be open. Some of them will be open. And the words that we give them may be just a planted seed. It's going to be watered later on, and someone else will get the increase. But we need to live moral lives and be willing to witness to those who come in contact us, with us and are searching for the truth. Our time is starting to get away from us. We need to go to our prayer time. Uh, so how would we like to do you think the group is split the group in two? You know it's what it is. I think those chosen ones over there should us <laughs> <laughs> over here. Sinners, <laughs> <laughs> well, I opened up a ball of wax there, didn't I? Dale, you go over to that side. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Wow. I do thank everybody's input. Uh, I know this was going to be a touchy subject, but uh, just pray about it. Contrary to everybody's belief, I do love Dale very much. To work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not yeah. Moses' salvation. Right. 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're supposed to work out our own salvation to leave the rest to God. No. That's the bottom line. Jack, you yeah. missed it. I just got one comment, and, and I may be wrong in this, but uh, to answer Larry's question, uh, you know, when Christ was on the cross and uh, the thief was beside him, he said, when the thief, you know, said what he said to him, I'll come with you. Christ said, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, paradise is not heaven, but you're going to be in paradise. And so I'm saying that all those gentlemen like Abraham and all of them, when they died, because of their faith, they went to paradise. Then when Christ went down there, I think he gave them the opportunity to accept him, which makes that yeah, comment I... about I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father, except for me, John 14, 6. He gave them that, that choice. Now, I'm sure that they took it because they had faith anyway. So I think all of those guys ended up in heaven. But it's, you know, before that, it wasn't heaven. It was paradise. You know, yeah. you know, so I'm, I may be wrong here, but that's what I was taught ever since I was a little kid. And I, it just it gives me opportunity. Heaven and paradise are synonymous. They're the same thing. Yeah, I tried to think about that day that Christ died and he offered the thief paradise for for one day. I don't think he would, Christ, I don't think he would offer a person that's going to die just one day of life. No, he offered eternity. All he said was... uh, Today you'll spend with me in paradise. Believe well, paradise is synonymous with heaven. I don't know where the so, Bible teaches paradise being separate from heaven, but I do know that uh, Paul's, uh, Jesus said, "Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. If it were not true, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you, and when I'm ready, I'm going to come back and receive you into myself." And we see that in the scripture, in the rapture, Christ is going to bring the life and the dead, the church, up with him. And later on, of course, you get into Revelation, you come back and do some ruling. But I think heaven is where God is, and that's where we're going to go when we die, uh, if we're Christians. If not, then good luck. So let's. You guys want to go to the other room? Do you want to go to your room? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So go to your corner. Go to the place prepared for you. <laughs> oh man. Oh boy. And I apologize. My 